Hello, hello, and welcome to the Arrowhead Podcast, where we're going the distance, we're going for speed, and Richard's all alone, all alone, all alone in his time of need. Um, that's a cake joke. My name's Matt Connor. I'm here with my newly shaven friend, who swears even when he shaves it, it looks like he doesn't shave his mustache. You said you just shaved your mustache, but you didn't. I'm looking. Well, this now. was you like this is like two days. This is like two days now. I did a whole video. Uh, I, did, I did a thing. All right. I, yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that. Anyway, welcome to the Year Ahead Podcast. We are excited to have you. We are now into the off season. We had a weekend of no football. I just want to ask you, Sterling, did it feel weird to not have football for the first time since, I don't know, you had a mustache? What, I, what, yeah, what's I hate going it. on? I hate it, dude. It, it sucks. Like, you're sitting here on a Sunday like, what do I do? You're just sitting there bored out of your gourd. Uh, like, do I – it's not warm enough yet to really do a ton outside. Baseball, you're not there yet. Uh, college basketball, my Mizzou Tigers didn't play on Sunday. What am I going to do, laundry? What am I trying to do, yard work? Like, what am I, an adult? No, it sucks. I miss football. Am I going to watch the XFL now? I don't know. Yeah. Are you out on the XFL? Do you hate these, no. like, side things? I'll probably watch it, but there's so many things. I love baseball. I do. Um, You know, I love college basketball. And I have a direct correlation and and love for these certain sports teams. Missouri Tigers, obviously. Kansas City Royals. Kansas City man through and through. You're not going to find me rooting for what's the St. Louis Battlehawks. Get out of here. St. Louis, don't get any love. No, I'm rooting against. That's the one. You know, there we go. I'll root against that team. How's that? Against the Battlehawks. I, I kind of like that name. I, I mean, it's a great a name. Hawk is, already, a hawk is already fierce. I, I didn't know that Battlehawks lived in St. Louis, but that makes St. Louis infinitely more interesting to me than, say, St. Louis pizza. Have you had St. Louis pizza before, uh, by the way? Have you ever put ketchup on a cracker, on a saltine? Because if you have, then yes, you've had St. Louis pizza. I, yeah, I, I went, I went, you know, like last year or something, and like people there were just like, I was like, what's the thing here? And they're like, oh, our pizza is so blah, blah, blah. And you're totally right. It's like Heinz on a Ritz. That's that's it. <laughs> and then throw some fake cheese on top of it called Provel uh, and call it a day. It's like, come on. Come I don't on. Get it. I don't get it at all. Hey, so um, look, we're at the we're at the very beginning of the offseason. And you know, sometimes in the offseason, look, at some point, Sterling and I will be staring, probably part of our podcast by late in the offseason will be long periods of Sterling and I just staring at one another. Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a staring contest. Maybe it'll be just a declaration of admiration, whatever it is. But, you know, like we'll run out of things to talk about. But in the beginning of the offseason, however, we're loaded. There's a lot of action coming up. A lot of guys are going to be saying goodbye. We've already said goodbye to Eric B. Chad Henney already gave us a tip. Oh, the cap, if you will. And there are 17, count them, one, two, three, 17 players on the Chiefs roster who are up for some kind of decision. Like right now, I think Brett Veach is playing paper, rock, scissors. Maybe he's doing a little would you rather. I don't know. But they're making this Paper, rock, scissors? It's rock, paper, scissors. Come on. Not in any world. Not in any world. No way. Get out of here. You're too young. You don't even know. You're like 13 years old. You don't even know how to say things. Anyway, uh, hey, we're going to get to all this. Uh, but we got one thing to do first and foremost. Uh, Chad Henney gave a tip of the cap to the Chiefs. We'd like to give a tip of the cap to our sponsor, KC Beer. 
Uh, in the words of Cake, love you madly. See, we can play this game, okay, Connor? I'll go back and forth with you, Cake. Come on. With a short skirt and a long jacket. I don't know many more Cake <laughs> songs outside of that. But Casey Beer Company, the best sponsor, the best beer. Thanks to you guys for your support. Arrow Red Lager was an absolutely massive success. Sold out not once, but twice. And frankly, it's a good beer. It's a good product. Casey Beer Co., if you've ever been there to the actual beer hall, they're such great people, very kind, just tons of great beer on tap as well. I love the brats and the potato salad. Uh, That much is known. Huge potato salad guy. But if you find the beer, comes in a red carton at your local store, the Dunkel, um, you know, the Hefeweizen, anything they have. Also, uh, you know, the, the, the Pilsner that they came out with. Just got to go ahead and say it. You're supporting a great local company. Also, that supports us. If you're a Kansas City person through and through, give Casey Beer Co. a try if you've not tried it already. But Casey Beer Co. with four ingredients. It's all you need. Four ingredients. Don't mess up a good thing. And guess what? They have not. They made it even better. Casey Beerco, dare to beer different. Love it. Thanks, Sterling. Um, By the way, Kelly Hoke just said in the comments, I'm 51. It's rock, paper, scissors. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, Thank you. I will not go down with this ship. I'm 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 not Dido on this one. I'm I'm happy to switch. Kelly, if you're right, Sterling's right. My apologies to the uh, to the the persons behind paper rock scissors. Anyway, here we go. So um, let's Sterling. I want to do a quick survey of related news, if you will, before we dive into free agents here, and then we'll talk some free agents. But um, so Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy's out. He is now. He would introduce himself. My name is Eric Bieniemy, and I took a lateral move to the Washington Commanders uh, to be their offensive coordinator. In the past, you've kind of not really wanted to dive too much into Eric Bieniemy, but now he's gone. Now there's real mm-hmm. news there. You know, you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to. If you have no opinions on things, that's fine. But what, like, do you have a take on this? Do you have thoughts on losing Bieniemy on what he adds to Washington or the process itself? Yeah, we'll obviously talk about Shady McCoy and his comments a little later on, and I have very, very strong opinions there. But when it comes to Eric Bieniemy, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him because he he's getting a a slightly higher title as well. You know, assistant head coach should be coming with a slight pay raise. But I hopefully, or I hope he can squelch all the questions that surround him. That's what I hope yep. for Eric Bieniemy. Um, he obviously was a big part of, of the success here in Kansas City. You know, for all the folks that say he wasn't, look at the track record he had here. You, you can say we don't know what would have happened without him, but we know what happened with him here. Yeah. Right. We, we've heard great things from former players for the most part. We've heard great things from Jamal Charles, Tyron Matthew, even guys who are no longer here. I believe those guys. When it comes to the head coaching process, I'm the first to admit I'm not in the room. You know, I'm not in the interview room. I have no idea what's going on there. And I don't like to speculate because I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair on either side saying, um, I know exactly this is why. I know exactly why this wasn't why. I was not in that room. So I'm not going to go there. But I hope Eric Bieniemy does get a a chance to be a head coach because he seems like a a fine leader of men. It it seems like people enjoy playing for him. I know some of the stuff on the sideline where we see him and and, and Travis Kelsey or him and uh, Patrick Mahomes get into it. I don't think that's always a bad thing. That's a competitor. 
That's someone sure. who is challenging these guys. That's someone, if you respect someone, you do that. If you respect someone, you respect a head coach, not always, but if you have that relationship with them, you go up, that's a challenge. That could be the enemy challenging Patrick Mahomes. That could be the enemy challenging Travis Kelsey. And after those altercations or whatever, interactions, if you will, good things happen. I see angry, yeah. drunken Germans saying EB is old school, tough love. I think it's a good point. Everyone has different coaching styles. That's not necessarily Andy Reid's. Not saying it's a bad thing, but people have different coaching styles. I think yeah. uh, he was a good, a good balance to Andy Reid. It was a different type of thing. I'm excited to see him get an opportunity. I hope he runs with it in Washington. He doesn't have the weapons here in Kansas City. Obviously, no Patrick Mahomes now going to Sam Howell, who he came out yesterday and basically said that's who they're probably going to be going with, that quarterback. Yeah, slinging Sammy, but he does have some good weapons in Terry McLaurin. And if you hear some of the Washington, um, you know, media members, they're thrilled. They're excited. If you can scheme Travis Kelsey open here when you know you're getting covered, can you scheme Terry McLaurin open? Can you do these things? Jahan Dodson. Uh, I'm excited to see what what he can do. And obviously it's a new tenure here in Kansas City without him here. It's going to be a big loss, but I'm, I'm also excited to see where the Chiefs go. Right, right. I, you know, they have Antonio Gibson. They have Curtis Samuel. I mean, you have, a, you have a lot of weapons there that if you had a quarterback, that becomes really interesting very quickly because they also have a solid defense and have had a solid defense for a while. It's almost like the, it's almost like the Denver Broncos in the NFC, which has been a – if they could figure out quarterback, they would be a decent team. Unfortunately, Broncos haven't been able to figure out quarterback. I mean, unfortunately for them. Let me say a few things about, about Eric Bieniemy here because I think this is very important. You mentioned this, Sterling. It is a it is a democracy of voices in the room for Andy Reid. If you don't like the voice of a guy, you don't invite him in the room. If you want a guy to show up and then to shut up, then what's the point of having him there? Eric Bieniemy should have wanted out a long time ago if his voice was not liked and respected and admired and asked for in that room, but you say that you don't like to speculate what's going on here, but here's the problem that I have with the speculation that's happened and maybe even not speculating here. When, when we're not in the room with coaches and he doesn't get the interviews, we assume the worst about Eric, which is, Oh, he must be really horrible as an interviewer, like one-on-one. It's almost like a, Oh yeah. He looks the part at school, but when, but when my daughter brought him home to date her, like suddenly I met him one-on-one and he was horrible. Like, like it's like that. Like once you get to know him one-on-one and he's horrible and that's the script on him. However, on the flip side, when he's in a crowded room, he's also not getting that. He's also not getting that credit either. He's in a crowded room with, with Andy Reid, Matt Nagy and Patrick Mahomes. And everyone's like, see, he doesn't add anything there. Those guys are already good. Then you get him alone in a room and you're like, see, he's everything bad over here. So people want to wrap their arms around both and say he does nothing good on this side and he offers everything bad on this side. And the whole time, the whole time, Andy Reid's going, what more do you want me to say? The whole time, Patrick Mahomes is saying, what more do you want me to say? The whole time, Eric Bieniemy is saying, what more do you want me to say? And I've got to look at that and go, man, look. In a league where Dan Campbell didn't have to call his own plays to get hired, in a league where Nick Sirianni didn't have to call his own plays to get hired, in a league where Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, for example, from the same team, don't have to call their own plays or have to work against Patrick Mahomes or whatever, 
I just found it ridiculous that it had to come to this. Now that it's come to this, I hope Eric Bieniemy kicks the fuck out of the NFC's ass. I hope he runs the fucking table in the NFC East. I hope the Eagles lose every fucking free agent they get. They lost both, <laughs> they lost both their coordinators. And I hope Eric Bieniemy just like zeroes in and goes 6-0 and against all of them. He deserves much better than he got. Even if we don't know what he does, good or bad, on his own, he deserved better uh, through all of that. Sorry for the language. Uh, I will also say, I think part of this comes, it's, it's twofold. Uh, as a man who also sells real estate here in Kansas City, got you for your real estate needs, everyone. Uh, but uh, one of those things, when, it, when a house first comes on the market, it's a hot commodity. Once it starts to sit, you start to pick, you start to pry, and then you move on. It felt like he was a hot commodity early on. Then it kept sitting on the market. His name kept being brought up. It's there. It's there. But once you sit on the market, it becomes stale and you move on to the next thing, the next sparkly thing, the next best thing. At least in your mind, it's the next best thing. Because you're sitting here saying, well, why is that on the market so long? There has to be something wrong if they didn't go for him. So I think that could be part of the situation. It got stale. He was on the market too long. And the second part here is there's something against Reed Disciples and, and, and his coaching tree. It was knocked against uh, Doug Peterson because he got fired from Philly. And then it was Matt Nagy getting fired from Chicago. But when you look at those two guys' body of work, way better than a lot of Bill Belichick disciples, huh? I mean, seriously. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl and has now turned around a dumpster fire in Jacksonville. You saw Matt Nagy win coach of the year, go to the playoffs, I believe, twice with Mitchell Trubisky. And I believe yes. his, his record there was like 34 and 31 or 31 and 34. And yet somehow he's lauded as a disaster. Look at what the Bears did this year with a, what, top 10 quarterback in Justin Fields. Like, yes. what are we doing here, people? Like, those were two good quarterbacks. That's why I'm also I, fairly, again, not set in stone. It might not happen. But if I was a betting man, I'd put money on Matt Nagy becoming uh, the OC for Kansas City. Why well, I think he'll do a good job. Like, sure. Andy Reid's head coaches, at least in recent memory, have done a good job. I don't yes. know why we sit here and pretend like they have it while we – if you touch Sean McVay, all of a sudden you're a great head, co- head coach. It makes no sense. Same thing with Bill Belichick. Like, we've not seen that with some sort of consistency, but because you were a good head coach or you are a good head coach, somehow that makes your predecessors good. Makes no sense. Andy Reid, though, actually have the success to back it up. Hopefully, enemy is the next in line. Yeah. Let's turn our attention real fast. LaShawn McCoy comes out uh, in the last 24 hours um, saying, look, I was in the room. Eric enemy adds nothing. He doesn't say the right things in team meetings. All he does is talk about running backs, which is all he knows. He doesn't know anything else. He's quiet, this, that, and the other. Then a plethora of other voices. And and this has been said and discredited before as well. So this isn't our first time around this carousel. However, um, you know, other guys like Jamal Charles, Sharkandrick West, Tyron Matthew, Ron Parker – um, several came out today and were like, LaShawn McCoy, what like what are you smoking? You're lying. Tyreek Hill came out and said, uh, hey, you're mad at me because he told you to tuck that ball, right? So, 
you know, like, like what, you know, what do you make of it? Is LaShawn McCoy pissed because Eric Bieniemy was maybe a part of him having to sit for half season? Remember, LaShawn McCoy was basically benched as a healthy scratch for half a year in Kansas City. Um, is that what's going on here? Yes. Yes. He, he's so when Tyree Kill, who has been very outspoken, when Tyron Matthew, the, the, the Twitter man himself, when they're on the chief side over here, Shady, yeah. sit down. All right. With well, a real slim Shady, please stand up. It's going to be Eminem, not you, McCoy. The real McCoy needs to sit down, okay? It's just, it's stupid. Like, it makes no sense. Is he trying for his five minutes of of media fame? Is he trying to have a hot take? Like, we know why you're coming out saying this. Because he binged your ass. Like, we know why. You fumbled. You even said he had a good grip on the running backs. So what's that tell you? He sat you. Yeah. He had a good good grip on the running backs because you didn't have a good grip on the ball. It's just yeah. immature. It makes no sense. I, I just don't understand this from, from LaShawn McCoy. He obviously did not like his time here in Kansas City. We get that. Part of me doesn't 100% blame, here, blame him. I don't think he's quite a Hall of Famer, but he's right there on the cusp. We looked at some of the numbers that he had today on the radio show, and he's he's close, but I think he's just on the outside looking into the Hall of Fame. Great career, though. Again, my point here is LaShawn sure. McCoy had a very decorated, great NFL career, right? It's hard when some guy comes in and benches you saying, you're done. We don't think you have anything left in the tank. You're not helping our team. I get being upset. I understand that. You would be upset, too, if you are a competitor at the highest level. Yeah, but to take it out on him on national media and then try to walk it back at the very end of it saying, well, I hope he does well. I'm, I root for the success of him. is like saying, hey, no offense, but. Yeah. No disrespect, but. Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand this from LaShawn McCoy. I take that back. I do understand it from LaShawn McCoy. I just wish he wouldn't say it because it comes off as vindictive, angry, salty, and makes him seem really small. Well, it, it does, and the timing of this is really interesting to me because if LaShawn was saying this stuff in the middle of the year that he got benched, I'd get it. If he said it in the aftermath of the season in which he stopped playing football, I'd get it. But we've had considerable time now between LaShawn McCoy and any on-field production, good or bad, right? The fact that he's still this salty, the fact that he's still wanting – you know, I, I mean, at some point soon – LaShawn should have started making the rounds coming back around with Andy Reid, coming back to Philly and getting his ring of honor or, or hall of fame, whatever they call it there. Like LaShawn is creeping close to the point where former players start to come back around and enjoy the fruits of their friendships, relationships with the franchises and the figures that they used to have. Now, like what, like what sort of taste is in Andy Reid's mouth at this point concerning Shady, right? Like, I mean, like, are you really going to invite Shady McCoy to come hang out uh, like in training camp or something like, Hey, come out and hang with us. Oh yeah. Cause you just, you just like trashed Eric B for the last two years, any chance you could. Like, I just don't, I, I don't get what McCoy gets from this. I don't get the lingering hatred there. I feel like B is man enough. And like, hey, man, if you want to say something, come say something. Like, let's work it out. 
But I think I also think LaShawn is is losing out on some nice personal chances to uh, to enjoy his postseason career in ways he, he's losing that to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, so one more for you. Did you um, Sky Moore, our uh, our favorite rarely used rookie wide receiver, uh, came out with a video series, which, by the way, I guess everyone. Here's I'm assuming in 20 years that everyone is going to have a docu series chronicling everything they do in their life. I'm I'm assuming that's going to happen. Sky Moore came out with his own documentary series called Before Your Eyes. Um, this week, episode one dropped. Uh, did you get a chance to see this, Sterling? I've not had a chance to see it yet, but it's it's chronicling his his hopeful rise in the NFL. It's pretty cool. I mean, the idea behind it's pretty cool. I, I get what you're saying, where it feels like every single dude's going to have something like this soon. But I've not seen a lot of this before, at least in real time. Right? Sometimes you see it, you know, uh, like with the Chicago Bulls, twenty years after. Yeah. But but and that was obviously a team. But but with um with with Sky Moore, I think it's kind of interesting. I'm. Chiefs content, Chiefs player putting out Chiefs content. Sure, sure. I'm I'm in. We're in the offseason at this point. You know, I, I love the Royals, but they're going to probably give me a lot of heartbreak this season. Uh, same with my Missouri Tigers. So it'll have some fun to do. Uh, I'll, 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 I'm always searching for Chiefs content. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm cool with it. As long as it's 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 not taken away from on-field stuff, which I wouldn't imagine it would. I don't see how, no, how no. it would. No, it was, it was interesting. Is The reason I brought it up today, because I, I, I thought it was interesting, and uh, if you'd seen it, because in it, Sky talks pretty openly, even from the very beginning, where he said, you know, when I was drafted, I thought I was going to come in and set the league on fire, right? He's with the Chiefs. He's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. Everyone's, like, raving about the Chiefs draft class and all this stuff. And then what he ends up saying was – I learned very quickly that the Chiefs way is you got to get torn down before you get built back up. Basically, I came to a team that didn't need me. They didn't need me to do anything but just sit there and learn the way you do things. And then they slowly put me in like as I learned the way to do things. And so in it he talks pretty candidly about you know it was hard at first because I came in wanting all the accolades and rookie of the year and this and that. And at the end of the year, I'm like, you know, he's got like 200 yards, whatever. But it was really, I don't know. It makes you like the kid more. It makes you like his makeup more. If you if you haven't looked, if you haven't, if you all haven't watched it yet, it's worth a watch. It's like 15 minutes. It's not bad at all. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see him grow. But but it was it was good to it was good that a rookie had his eyes opened and could appreciate it versus find some sort of venom about it and, and want to push back. Well, and, and now you see, sure. It's not Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. You're not winning rookie of the year, but what do you have? The Super Bowl. You're yeah, a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl champion. Yeah. The, the chief's way has been like this for a while now, mostly under Andy Reed. Uh, he doesn't like to play rookies exclusively, right? He likes to have them sit and watch and learn and grow. Sometimes that's growing and learning from the sidelines. And it's nice when you see rookies buy in. 
You didn't hear Sky Moore complain and ask for more snaps. Why am I not getting this? Why am I not doing that? While well, I'm seeing, you know, Chris Olave do all this. Well, what did Chris Olave and that team do? Nothing. Nothing. Like, he had a great yeah. season individually. But this is great for the Chiefs, for Sky Moore. Sky Moore understands, I assume, that he's going to be one of the um, focal points, I would assume, of this offense over the next couple of seasons. You know, what happens with Juju, with MVS, with McCole Hardman. Uh, Sky Moore is the one constant. That's who you know is going to be here next season. So there's an opportunity for Sky. It's one of those situations where you sometimes just have to wait. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out about membership. If you want to join, check the link below. We have an awesome uh, Discord channel where we talk all things, whether it's NFL, whether it's Chiefs. That's the main focus. We also talk. We have an AA Tavern. We have uh, a library. We talk books. Uh, we talk baseball. There's also Cardinals baseball, which hurts me. But there's a lot of things we talk about. We we live live um, comment during the, the Chiefs games itself, during baseball games, during during uh, Mizzou games sometimes as well. It's a great time. So if you want to join, check the link below. Um, well, folks, our main theme of this episode was sorting through the Chiefs free agents. So Sterling and I are going to sit down now for the rest of our show. We've got 17 players. Are they in or are they out? What are we going to do with these guys? Uh, how do we approach them? What are the Chiefs thinking with each one of these? This is important as the Chiefs move on to the post to the offseason and saying what exactly are our needs here. Now, I'll say this as an advertisement. Our own Lyle Graverson, who's been a friend of the show here, he's been on the podcast. Lyle wrote a great piece the other day, and I agree with him. Lyle said why the Chiefs do not have to sign anybody, re-sign any of their own free agents. Now, Lyle wasn't saying he doesn't want any of them back. In fact, tackle would be a significant issue if we don't resign. But Lyle was saying, look, the Chiefs are in a position where they hold all the leverage with everyone. And for really the first time in several years, if you look at the whole list of free agents, you're like, I mean, the ship isn't going to sink without these guys. Um, And in fact, probably contend for a Super Bowl without these guys. So I – First of all, I just want to lift up Lyle's work there. It's worth reading. Check it out on airheadact.com. Um, but yeah, that it, it was an interesting take with that sort like the Chiefs have the swagger, have the core, you know, have the leverage here heading into this free agent class. Um, and we can talk about all these individually. But Sterling, I just want to get your your take on as you look at the overall class. Would you agree with Lyle there? Do you like does it seem like Boy, this isn't a major class to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. I think it obviously tackles the the main question here, and maybe the the question about wide receiver. But this Chiefs team is is so talented and so deep. They already have an obscene amount of rookies that were starting last year. They have an obscene amount of draft picks in this year's draft. As long as you have Mahomes, Kelsey, and obviously Chris Jones is kind of a question mark. He's not a free agent, but he wants his money, he wants an extension. That might be the question mark here. But there's not necessarily a guy when you go down the list that you're like, you have to re-sign him. You have to re-sign him or the Chiefs are no longer contenders. I just don't see that. And that's yeah. a, a credit to Brett Veach, this team, Andy Reid, the coaching staff, everyone, right? That that just shows you how they are a well-oiled machine. The scheme, the schematic differences between them, them and other teams, it just shows they did the hard decisions last year. Last year was the hard offseason. This year, relatively speaking, should be a lot easier. 
Yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Sterling, let's, uh, we got a lot of names to work through here. Um, and some of these will be short. Some of these will be a little bit more um, animated. But I, I want to start, first of all, there's a differentiation, folks. Not everything is a free agent. Uh, not every free agent is created equally. Uh, the Chiefs have two guys who are restricted free agents. That means they have not accrued four seasons in the NFL, which means the Chiefs control um, whether or not they're going to go free in the first place. The Chiefs have two guys who fall under this. Um, one of them is a pro bowler uh, and punter Tommy Townsend. Um, and the other one is defensive lineman Turk Wharton. Now, in this instance, here's how this works. The Chiefs have the ability to apply a tender to these guys, one of four tenders, first round, second round, um, original round, um, or just like a right of first refusal. Um, both of these guys are unrestricted free agents, so there is no uh, original round available. Uh, or both of these guys were originally rookie free agents, so there's no original round to attach to them. So, like this, if the Chiefs want to keep Tommy Townsend next year, they could apply, let's say, a second-round tender to him. That would give him a contract at a certain set amount, and any team that wants to sign Tommy Townsend could offer him a contract, but then they would have to owe the Chiefs a second-round pick for signing him away. So the problem is some of those deals get really expensive, second round uh, and so on. So um, let me ask you this. I mean, to me it seems pretty obvious that you want those guys back. Do you want both of those guys back? What are you thinking about, I mean, obviously Tommy Townsend and Turk Wharton and their restricted status? I would prefer obviously both guys back. Uh, I think Tommy Townsend would be more impactful. I mean, he was maybe the best punter in the NFL this year. Uh, the other side of the equation is the Chiefs aren't a team that punts a lot, right? It, it's not as uh, important based on positional value. Um, I think the Chiefs will have Tommy Townsend back. If that's going to be the question here, if, if which of these guys would be back next year, I think Tommy Townsend is back next season. Uh, it just is one of those equations where you almost feel bad for the guy because it's like a running back. The positional value just is not that high. You can find production elsewhere, even if it's not quite there. And for a team that does not punt a lot, the Chiefs aren't going to sit here and break the bank, even though he probably was the best punter in the NFL. If a team signs Tommy Townsend to a market-setting deal, makes him the highest-paid punter in the game, do you match that offer? Because no. the Chiefs would have the right of first refusal. No, I don't think they do. I, I don't think they do. That's too much money. We saw they weren't going to back in the day with, with Dustin Colquitt, right? Dustin Colquitt wasn't at that time in his career the best punter in football, but he was a damn good one. And sure. they thought they could save a million dollars, just a million, right? They did it. Yeah. So it's a team that does not punt a lot. And, and while I like Tommy Towns and the golden locks, right, it just does not make a ton of sense to reset the market for a punter. Sure, sure. Let me ask you this. Turk Wharton's coming off a seasoning injury. Does that worry you? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I like Turk Wharton a lot, but we've not seen the consistent success from Turk Wharton. Now, if you want to – do glass half full. He's only 24 years old. I just looked that up. That is young. Yeah. That is young for a dude going into his second contract. I yeah. like Turk Wharton. We've seen the flashes. It looked like he was starting to really improve with Joe Cullen, and then the injury happened. Uh, but again, like you mentioned, we'll probably see this a ton. 
the Chiefs hold the cards. They yeah. do. Turk Wharton, though, probably isn't going to get a large deal on the open market either way. So I assume he's back as well. Um, I think there's still a, a decent amount left as far as his ceiling. So I would expect to see Turk Wharton back maybe on a, a two-year deal, you know, but, but nothing that's, that's crazy. Sure. Yeah, I, I think Wharton's back. I, I agree with you. I also think Townsend's back. I don't think they let Townsend go. I even think they make Townsend the highest paid punter in the game. Uh, that, that would not surprise me. So we'll leave Ooh. it at that. That's um, an expensive special teams unit with Harrison I, Bucker and his money and then Tommy Townsend. Yeah, mm. yeah, I know. But I, there's just – I think he's an exceptional weapon. I know he's rarely used. But if you have that edge, you have that edge, and I like that edge. Um, all right, Un- unrestricted free agents. Dudes that can go anywhere at any time and do anything they want. Uh, let's start here, my friend. Orlando Brown Jr. What are the Chiefs – like? What? let me ask you in two parts. Sterling, what would you do with Orlando Brown Jr., and what do you think the Chiefs will do? Ooh. I forget what that number is. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, the franchise tag on the second it's around, one. It's around 19. It's around nearly 20 million. It's about 20 million. That'd it's be like my 19, best guess. Yeah. That's my best is guess it, is the franchise tag again. Is that what you would do with Brown? That's what I would do. I'd franchise tag him again. I know he's going to hate it. I get it. But what's he going to do? Sit out? I don't think he's going to sit out. We already went through this one time. This is an extra $3 million over last year's franchise tag. Um, he he did a good job as the season went on. I think the last 10 games or so, he really improved. Uh, yeah. I also think he earned himself some money the last – well, I guess ever since Mahomes got injured, that ankle, Orlando Brown Jr. was was staunch. Dude, dude stood up and made, uh, made himself some money. But I just still don't want to make him the highest paid or one of the highest paid left tackles in football. Uh, I like Orlando Brown Jr. I think he sometimes is unfairly ripped on and sometimes fairly. But they love him in the clubhouse, in the locker room, yeah. I should say. They do. The, the, team, the team loves him. Seems like the front office really likes him too. But sometimes that's not enough. Now, mm-hmm. if he's going to be more realistic with his contract negotiations, whether it's, you know, hey, we'll give you four year for 80. Even if it is five for 100, but – it's not all guaranteed. I could potentially get behind that as well. But if he's trying to reset the market, or get close to Trent Williams, I would have to say I'm out. What if he said, give me top five money? Is that good for you? If it's five, I'm in. Okay. Just not market setting deal. Yeah. Again, because we're going to start seeing some more guys, especially at left tackle, start getting more and more money. That's how the, the market works, right? You know, you always want to be, I mean, Mahomes is not the highest paid quarterback right right he, he he's just not uh, i will also point out the salary cap is expected to rise by a good chunk so that could yeah. help alleviate some of these issues here uh, i think he's a again i think he's a good left tackle but he's not elite he's a yeah. good left tackle okay L- let's jump to the other side here i want to bring up andrew wiley now look let me say this andrew wiley he joined the chiefs on a futures deal one of those guys who are like you sign him to a reserve futures deal in January of 2018. Sterling, since 2018, Andrew Wiley has has given the Chiefs 71 games. I think it's 59 starts, 
at three positions for a total of around $6 million. Total from 2018 until now, the Chiefs have paid him around $6 bucks, and he's given them a, an instant, like a ready-made starter when they need one. I think he may be the the single best, like, deal um, that the Chiefs have had since Brett Veach started. Uh, do you bring him back? Do you reward him? Do you let him go for a lot more money? He's going to get a payday. That's the issue is the Chiefs probably aren't going to pay Andrew Wiley anywhere near his market value. The Chiefs have sunk multiple draft picks now in Lucas Niang and Darian Kennard. You can make the case that that's a sunk cost. You can make that case because who cares that you sunk draft capital into that position if they're not ready, if they're not it, if they're not ready or that's not it. But I, I would have to imagine they're going to go with Luke Zniang or Darian Kennard going forward. Andrew Wiley, like you mentioned, made just over $6 million here in Kansas City. It's time for him to get paid. It's time. Mm. He's going to get his money, and I don't blame him. He's not going to take a you know two-year, $6 million contract. He's going to get paid, you know, maybe it's two years for, for 12, two for 14, maybe, right? If he's a starting right tackle on a team. Maybe. So I would have to imagine Andrew Wiley, and good for him, but finally gets a decent, lucrative payday. Yeah, I, I even wonder if he's going to go with Biennemi, right? I mean, I mean, uh, Washington has significant needs along the front line. Um, I, why not, especially a guard, why not go back to a position that you know really well? Washington could pay him. I, I think that could be a fun – if you're enemy, by the way, you want as many familiar faces in the room to help you implement and explain the vision that you have for that offense. I think Washington's given enemy a pretty significant level of input into what the offense is going to be about. So – I don't know. We shall see. Um, next, let me ask. Uh, by the way, he had surgery today. Wide receiver McCole Hardman underwent groin uh, surgery today. Remember, we didn't see the last time we saw McCole Hardman in the in the regular season was against the Tennessee Titans. After that, we didn't see him at all until the conference championship when he played limited snaps, and then he was out again after re-aggravating that injury. It took him to IR and then back off. Then he'd practice and he wouldn't practice. This is a lingering issue. It had to feel good, at least, for Hardman today to hear you've had successful surgery to repair what was wrong. The problem is, is that what was wrong robbed him of his whole con his whole contract year. Um, Tom Palacero reports today he's going to be out for for eight weeks. Free agency starts in four weeks. Now picture this: you're not going to have McCole Hardman isn't even going to be able to like get back on the field and take physicals, whatever, until around the draft. Does this mean that Hardman is one of those guys waiting until after the draft to see like how many wide receivers are gone and then what's his market? I mean, what what do you do with this whole picture? Dude, I feel for McCall Hardman. I feel for him. This sucks. Uh, he wasn't getting Christian Kirk money, but – we were not going to be shocked. At least I would not have been shocked if he would have signed a MVS deal, a three for 36, sure. three for 30, 
I don't think that was out of the equation by any means. Um, but now I don't know. Is he going to have to sign a Juju Smith-Schuster prove-it deal? One of those one-year, low-money, high incentives. I, I just feel for McColl. I don't think he's back. I think the Kadarius-Tony move was the uh, the end for Hardman here in a Chiefs jersey. I think, again, some of their tendencies are redundant. I think they can play together. I don't think it's a bad thing having on the field at the same time. I, I just would be fairly surprised. That's a um, doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. I like Hardman. I wish him the best. I think he moves on, uh, but I just don't know what his contract's going to look like. If, if it's only a one-year prove-it deal because of his contract, before, I mean, because of the injury, then yeah, he's probably back in Kansas City. But if not, I still think there's a team out there that's going to take a chance. They've seen enough of Hardman, uh, especially as the season started this year, to say, hey, we think he was about to hit his stride. Let's give him a decent deal. I could really see that happening still. If, if his agent comes back to Kansas City and says, hey, look, one year, four million dollars. Would you oh, take I'm him in. on it? I'm in. Yeah, one for four. I'm in. I, I just, I just still think his market's going to be higher than that. I don't think the injury is going to completely sap his market. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, in the right way, I like the security he adds at punt returner and receiver, <clears throat> and he knows the offense. So, yeah, I'm with you in that way. Um. Let's go to Juju Smith-Schuster. You just brought him up as a prove-it deal. The guy proved it, right? I mean, if he wasn't injured, um, he would have made the 1,000-yard – I mean, he would have eclipsed 1,000 yards for the first time in – second time in his career, first time in, what, four or five years? Um, he was an excellent, um, like, option opposite Travis Kelsey. Like, an excellent um, – he had instant trust with, with Patrick Mahomes – he seemed, by the way, he seemed to be instantly like on the inside of Patrick Mahomes' circle, too. Right? It was like we saw. It was like we saw Garrick Dieter hit the door, and like Juju Smith Schuster just like walked right in and sat down in his seat or something. I mean, he was. He's just so in. Do you? What would you do? And what do you think Brett Veach will do? I think Juju's back. I think he's back, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a extremely cheap deal. I think Juju's a guy who wants to get paid. He made that known before all of his injuries, and he was forced to take this proven deal. I, I do think the taste of success, the taste of winning, uh, shines through in him. I mean, he's been obviously one of the most outspoken guys on Twitter. You know, like, look at me, look at me, I'm a champion. So I think that actually carries a little bit of weight with him. So I don't think he's going to necessarily take the top money that's offered to him, but I don't think you're getting him on a super cheap deal. And I don't think that Brett Veach is going to be scared to give him some money. Again, we, we, we mentioned the salary cap, and he was such an impact player. He was the yeah. security blanket on offense uh, alongside Travis Kelsey. I think you, re- you reward that guy. Um, his skill set will age gracefully, I think. He's never been the most explosive guy. And even after those injuries, the question was always going to be, well, how does he get open? Well, he got open. He's a zone beater. He's also very, very good uh, with those back shoulder catches. There, there's something to having that connection with Mahomes. So I think Juju's back on a fairly large deal. Hmm. Three years or more than three years? I think it's going to – my gut, just my instinct right now is like three-year for 48, maybe 16 mil a year. I don't okay. know if he gets to the 20 million uh, a year mark. I think if he was on the open market, he might get that. Like if that's the top 
deal he was offered. Uh, I think at this point, he's probably just behind. Again, I feel like the Christian Kirk deal, the Jags may have been actually out in front on that one. Give him some credit. We all made fun of him for that deal. But now you're looking at it and saying, hey, that was market value for what he's brought to that team. Uh, I yeah, think he probably, well. Yeah, I think you're probably looking at a 15, 16 mil per year for three years for Juju. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I did look at uh, Spotrack said that um, his market was more like 12 million a year. And I just don't believe it. I think it's going to be more robust than that. And I think, I think so you're right. I think it's- we're, we're pretty much in agreement here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's keep it in the, let's keep it in the wide receiver family real fast and close up that category. And Justin Watson was an interesting addition in that he came with Super Bowl experience, right? Um, like from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he came in, performed well in limited duty, special teams kind of guy. You need those glue guys, um, and he, you know he's not old by any by any stretch. I mean, would you would you bring back Justin Watson, or or is that one of those like, nope, draft me a rookie and 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 let the bottom of the depth chart just be young guys? I I would almost say he's a Dave Toe bring back. Doesn't it kind of feel like a guy that Dave Tobe would like to have on this team? So let's just say what our thoughts are right now. So we think Juju's back. At least I think Juju's back. Sky Moore is obviously here. Kadarius Tony's obviously here. Um, If I'm saying I don't think – if MVS I think is back. I don't think – I don't think McCole Harmon's back. So those are the four I have right there, right? Right, right. Then you have John Ross on that future deal. You have Justin Ross – on on what amounts to a I still think it's a lottery ticket I know a lot of folks are high on Justin Ross but man um, I'd be thrilled if he pans out but I'm gonna be a little little cautious with him I'm not putting all my eggs in the Justin Ross bucket now Uh, you probably draft at least one or two wide receivers I think Justin Watson's a guy they could bring back I think Dave Tobe would like him back but you're keeping six wide receivers on the active roster realistically you'll have a couple guys on practice squad um, oh, that's a good question, man. He's not going to break the bank on any team. He's not going to be getting a lot of money. Even if he is a, a practice squad or a back of the, um, back of the roster type of signing, it's what 1 million, probably one year, 1 million. Yeah. <clears throat> you can cut that and not be hurting too bad. You know, if you decide that Justin Ross is ready if you, if you think John Ross is ready, either one doesn't matter. If you think those guys are ready, you cut Justin Watson. Uh, but I think he's probably back on that one-year deal. I'm talking myself into it, just just for special teams alone. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I offer Maybe even I offer him the minimum or a little bit above and say, hey, you may be able to beat this somewhere, but you won't be playing for the Chiefs. If you want to play for the Chiefs and try to run this back with us, feel free to hop on board and uh, and see what you get. Um. <clears throat> Let's move to the defensive side of the ball, my friend. Um, Carlos Dunlap, right? Last year at this time, we were talking about Melvin Ingram. And then we were saying, oh, my gosh, Melvin Ingram, he did well in the half season after we traded for him. Now let's chase him in free agency. This year we got Carlos Dunlap to play that veteran incoming rotational pass rusher role. He got his Super Bowl, but now he is a year older. He's also a year familiar with the system. Do you think he plays that role again, or do you think we're kind of done applying a Band-Aid like that? We're going to have young bodies in the house. 
I almost hope it's it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and go with the young guys. Carl Loftus, we know. I assume, honestly, Frank Clark's going to be back. I, I, I do. Carlos yeah. Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap is. He was fine. He started off pretty strong, didn't he? I think. I think Carlos Dunlap maybe started off stronger and a little, maybe tapered out a little bit as the season went on. Would you agree there? Or do you think it was kind of the same? Yeah, I, I, he he was he was not. He would make some flashy plays, but it was not like, oh, he's a consistent force every time he's in there. Like Mike Dana was. Yeah, I think Mike Dana is going to get more playing time, and he deserves it. I know he also plays inside Mike Dana, but but I, I think Dana is going to get some at some point. Is Josh Wakando ever going to see the field? Is Malik Herring ever going to see the field? No. Um, so I, I think they probably take another edge early on. Maybe it doesn't start right away, so you have Dunlap as the uh, as the veteran guy, j- just as the the mentor, the leader, but. I don't think he's back. I really don't think Carlos Dunlap's back. I'm with you. Sliding over. What about Derek Nottie? You got a run. You got a run stuffer who's been with the team his first five years in the league. After he was a former second round pick, played out all four seasons of his rookie deal, and then the Chiefs got him to come back on a fairly inexpensive one year deal. But Derek Nottie played less. He played all 17 games. So on the one hand, Naughty is a very reliable – like he's going to suit up. He's, 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 he's proven to be reliable in that way. But he also played less snaps percentage-wise than ever before. The Chief, In other words, the Chiefs rotated him in less than ever before, even though he played every game. If his impact is waning and other guys are stepping up, Colin Saunders, we, we saw that last year. We'll talk about him in just a second. Do you think Naughty's back here? Do you let him go pretty easily? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I'm going to throw in Turk Wharton and Colin Saunders all in one here. If I'm letting one go, it's it's Derek Naughty. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Derek Naughty, and he had a, a good stint here in Kansas City, but this was the um, worst year he had here. It's, it's not good it was in a contract year. We saw Colin Saunders grow. We were seeing yep. Turk Wharton grow. Now, yes. the consistency and the health of Derek Nottie is obviously one to monitor, but I think you can get a Derek Nottie type. Brandon Williams somewhat filled that role, right? Yep. The, yep. With, the, with the reunion with uh, Joe Cullen. I think Joe Cullen deserves a lot of credit, and maybe you can make the case that he could plug and play a lot of dudes, and you'd find success in his system, in his scheme. He gets the best out of guys. I, I think Derek Nottie um, is gone I, I wish him all the best because I, I like Derek Nottie, but I, I just there's more upside with some other guys. And if you want his type, that run-stuffing type, you can get a cheap veteran to do similar uh, production. Yeah. Um, I am totally with you. The ceiling is not there with him like it is with other guys, and you got to go with the ceiling uh, on that one. Boy, that was good because you, like, knocked out three and one. You're like, give me, you're like, give me Warden, Saunders, and Nottie off the shelf. Okay, let's rank them. Who do you think? One, two, three. Oh, Saunders is tops. It's got to be. Okay. It's got to be Saunders. And I and I like Wharton, but the injury, you can't come off season any injury and, and be ahead of Wharton or be ahead of Saunders. And Saunders upside, I mean, man, chasing down. Dude. The hustle. It's the hustle. stupid. It's his speed. His speed is it's it's dumb speed. You're a dude that size. I mean, you should not be able to run that fast. It, 
imagine him chasing you. I would be petrified. Seriously. I would be petrified. We saw him break out this year, but his ceiling, I think, I think the ceiling is still unknown for him. I think we need one more year fully go. Okay. That's as good as he gets. Um, And uh, that's scary for other teams. Um, You know, but it does make re-signing him a little, if I'm another team, if I'm another team and I'm looking at the Chiefs, I'm going, I'm stealing that kid. I'm stealing that kid. I'm going to overpay a bit because we got all kinds of cap room. Like if I'm the Bears, for instance, or if I'm Jacksonville or someone else, and I'm saying I've got tons of cap room, tons of cap room. Um, let me grab the late bloomer out of Kansas City. I love his attitude. I love his experience. And maybe just maybe he's got some Jones-ish disruptive uh, ability from that interior, um, and I'd want to see it up close and personal. I'd, I'd pay for it. It makes me wonder if he's going to be priced out of Kansas City's range. Yeah, the Bears are interesting because of the connection with Ryan Poles, obviously, the the, yeah. the chief connection to the front office. That could be an intriguing move there. Let's hit the safeties. Juan Thornhill and Dion Bush. Dion Bush, special teamer. Uh, obviously, I think he actually came from Chicago this year. And then Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill, who claimed he was going to be an all-pro this year, was not an all-pro, but obviously had his best season, I think, since his rookie year. Uh, he was a consistent presence in the secondary. Uh, he did improve as the season went on. And frankly, it went from being me being nervous start of the year to, hey, it's fine. Juan Thornhill's back there. He's not elite, but I trust the guy. What do you think about these two dudes? I would, in a perfect world, I would like Juan Thornhill back. I think it'd be great. The Chiefs play a lot of three safety looks. Cook, Thornhill, and Reed make them one of the top four to six safety units in the NFL. I like I I like them. However, um, the NFL is all about being able to replace your guy. This move was so telegraphed. It's like when the Chiefs picked Nick Bolton to take over for Anthony Hitchens, right? At that point, you knew you invest a second round pick a year in advance. You give them a full season to understand the system and what Spags wants and to let the coaching staff learn what they have in him. Brian Cook has now served his year. He was a second-round pick. He's going to replace the second-round pick in Thornhill. I, It'd be nice to bring him back, but Thornhill's going to make his millions. He's going to get it from another team. Yeah, well, I, Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think Deion Bush for sure is gone. Um, one, Thornhill's a little more question mark because of the three-safety look the Chiefs use – but I, I yeah. do think Brian Cook is going to get his opportunity, and I think the Chiefs draft a safety, at least one, in this upcoming draft. So I would say Thornhill and Deion Bush are probably both gone. Uh, I feel bad for Juan Thornhill. His, his career was off to a, a very fast start until that injury. He's not been the same since, but it was nice to see him have a nice bounce-back season this year, especially as the season went on. Uh, Soundwave84, uh, good question. Do you think they will go for more of a speed rusher at D end to complement the power guys they have? I would assume so. I actually think that's a really good point. Then you can kind of mix and match uh, with different off, just different tackles as well. Uh, I do think they'll go for more of a speed guy, which again, probably no to uh, Carlos Dunlap being back. Uh, let's get into the running back room. Michael Burton, fullback, Ronald Jones, and Jarek McKinnon. Let's start with Burton first. Can we both agree Burton's back just because Andy Reid's obsession with the fullback? That six plays a year. 
I mean, I guess I, I, I mean, I keep waiting for the year to come where he's like, all right, we're done with that. Um, and then we're not. And I mean, as long as we're not, it might as well be Burton. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what else you do there. Draft a guy late and, and let him kind of, it wouldn't bother me if they went with some sort of fullback tight end sort of hybrid and got really interesting in terms of roster construction, like with some sort of Bushman. Um, I like that kind of like, I think it could be interesting if that kind of a player were to be on the active roster, but uh, yeah, you know, let's keep it boring. Yeah. Burton's back. Yeah. I, I just think that what we've seen, what they've told us, they like a fullback, even though they play maybe a snap a game, they do play some special teams. Michael Burton does. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Burton's back. Uh, let's get into McKinnon. Is Jarek McKinnon back? You know, there was a stretch late in the year where McKinnon was a red zone force. The guy, the guy won AFC Offensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry. He was named AFC Offensive Player of the Month for December, January, right? He scored, like, what, nine touchdowns in the last six games, and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, he's this integral part of the offense, which he was. But the postseason came and went. We lifted the Lombardi, and Jet McKinnon really didn't do all that much offensively compared to what he'd done before, at least statistically. And so on that note, I'm thinking, well, he can be placed pretty easily. However, however, if you read between the lines, number one, his teammates love him. Everyone thinks he's a great captain. He's he's past bodyguard. If you watch him play, he does all the little things. He does all the little things as a pass blocker, as a pass catcher. He he just knows what's going on to such a degree and that I think that, well, hell, for that, and as cheap as he's going to come, why not, right? Yeah. So I think he's getting older, and I think that maybe some of the juice isn't there, and teams teams have shut that down pretty easily now. Um, in the postseason, I mean, the Eagles, the Bengals both, I mean, did not allow anything to really happen. So I think maybe those days are over, but um, yeah, I like him, but I like him sliding into RB3 role. I would like another rookie to come in um, and maybe do something there to jazz up the position a little bit more. Yeah, so you both agree then that Ronald Jones is gone. I think that's that's clear cut here. Ronald Jones gone. Uh, uh, Jarek McKinnon is, is, is I'm assuming back. I, I, it might be another late signing, but I'm, I'm fully expecting McKinnon to be back. His pass protection is elite. I like angry, drunken German is Brown. Give McKinnon a huge wad. If he's signed long-term, that's great. Uh, Spade says we need McKinnon back. Crucial part of the offense, picking up blocks, catching the ball in the backfield and that slide before the end zone, re-sign him, please. And that's a good point. The smarts. Yeah. That's why he was on in the game at that point. Yes. You trust him. It's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Even though yes. he's 30, he lost a large chunk of his career to injuries. And while we thought that was going to hinder him, maybe it just saved some wear and tear. That's what it looked like because he looked as explosive as ever. He's never going to be a bell cow ever again. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be taking the majority of the workload. But I do think there's still a role on this team for McKinnon. And as you mentioned, he won't be very expensive. No matter who the tackles are, whether it's Orlando Brown Jr. and Wiley coming back, again, we both assume Wiley's probably getting paid somewhere else. Orlando Brown Jr. is a question mark. If you don't know who your tackles are, if it is Niang, if it is going to be a question mark, who do you want? 
You want a running back who's good at pass protection. That means Jarek McKinnon, which in my eyes, McKinnon is back. Mm. Uh, Two more for you here, and then we complete our route. Blake Bell, um, injured for most of this year, healthy scratch, Super Bowl. Do you think he's back, or do you think the days of the four tight ends comes back one more year? I think it's. I think he's gone. I think the Super Bowl scratch said it all. That's what I'm. I'm if I'm if I'm reading between the lines here now. I, I think that's what that told me. I like Blake Bell. He had a role. He did. He he was the best blocking tight end on this team and one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. But against a team like the Eagles, against a team like the Bengals, when you thought, hey, they're going to need Blake Bell. Those tackles are going to need some help. Where was he? A healthy scratch. Uh, I feel yeah. for Blake Bell. Uh, I always thought he would have actually fit well as the Michael Burton, right? If he actually would have been the the fullback per se, yeah. you could also use him as yes. a tight end because he knows both roles. Obviously played quarterback a little bit in college at OU. Uh, they like using him on those QB sneaks. But I think the Blake Bell, the belldozer, I think he moves on. Uh, one more for you. Uh, an interesting kid, Nick Allegretti who has played the interior um, in multiple slots, can play center, can play guard, um, still young. Um, it, it would even make me wonder if he could have a larger role on a, on a lesser team. Um, but I like his versatility for the Chiefs interior. Do you think he's back, or do you think he finds a way to compete for a starting role? Oh, good question. Now, that, that that's a good question. If another team offers him a starting job, I think he's gone. But I think the Chiefs love his versatility. They always preach that. If you've looked at the Chiefs' offseason rosters and what they go into a season looking like, versatility, versatility, especially in the offensive line, is normally at the top of the list. That's why guys like Austin Ryder, Austin Blythe, right? They, they yep. were center only. That was an issue for them. But Alec yes. can play center and guard. That added versatility was what kept him on the roster. I think that keeps him on the roster. I don't know if he has a starting job in the NFL. Some teams like we haven't really seen him, but let's give him an opportunity. That's the case. Good for him. I wish him nothing but the best, but I I think the Chiefs will keep him and re-sign him as that interior backup. And when he gets into the game, you know what he can do. He's nasty. He gets a push. I like Allegretti. I do like him. So uh, I think he's back in KC as the, uh, the versatile backup. I'll say this. I think Andrew Wiley is going to get a starting role and better money than what the Chiefs can give him. And I think Nick Allegretti is going to get a shot to compete outside of here. And I'll say this. I don't like the loss of the versatility of Wiley and Allegretti in one offseason. Now, that's a small thing to complain about. We're talking about the Super Bowl team. There's not that many weaknesses. (laughs) <laughs> but if anything is but if anything is worrisome, there is a little bit of of hey, we have some versatility and some depth to make up for here. I think both those guys are gone, not because they don't deserve to come back, but because the market's going to reward them, um, and they both deserve more time and spotlight than what they get here. Um, and uh, but yeah, the Chiefs are going to have to find some some versatile backups quick. And I don't think it's always uh, you can hate the guy; they don't want the legacy. But it's very difficult when you get. Uh, uh, you know, six or seven mil a season versus one or two. Um, at some point, you're sitting here going, is that extra $5 million worth it? It might be, especially if you've not made the big bucks so far in your NFL career. Uh, I do want to point out, 
we're talking offseason stuff, but how glorious is it that we're sitting here as Super Bowl champs talking about this? And we went through this list right here, nothing against these players, all the respect in the world because they were a big part of why the Chiefs are Super Bowl 57 champions. Yes. But there's not a glaring guy. You're like, you have to have him back or the Chiefs are screwed. That's right. what makes this so impressive. That's what made that win so impressive. It's the fact that they are almost larger than the sum of their parts, if you will. You got so much production from unsung dudes, so much production from the back end of the roster, so much production from rookies and young guys. They are poised to win more in the future. Yeah. Just wait till they trade for Nuke Hopkins. Then you got uh, then you got a whole other thing going on. Yeah, we'll talk about that another time. Um, well, folks, we've reached the end of the show here. Want to? Uh, where's our good friend Richard? Richard, are you there? I'm right here, gentlemen. Happy Bam, Tuesday. There he is, folks. If you're uh, if you're new with us, we end every show with what we call the must list. It's our uh, it's our way of recommending something. For any of you who listen or watch, um, it's a fun way for us to riff on what we're enjoying lately. But we also love just offering up uh, things that we have enjoyed reading or watching or listening or sometimes just admiring like I did one week in the case of offering up Grimace of McDonald Land characters as an example. So uh, for our muscles this time around, Richard, why don't we start with you, man? You're, you're, you look like you're having a fine night tonight. But, I am. Uh, What's on your must list for this week? Nothing weird. So it's it's a normal must list for this week. We're going to recommend a book. Not a book. I don't read books. We're going to recommend a graphic novel. It's called Fear Agent. Uh, it's by Rick Remender with colors by um, Tony Moore is like the big name there. You got J- Jeremy Opena. Uh, but it's cool. It's about a alcoholic Texan spaceman named Heath Houston. He's the last of the fear agents, uh, a former group of, uh, I guess, Earth protectors. But he lives out in space. It's very pulpy. So this is this is more fiction than science. There's a lot of just shooting and action and space conspiracies. But it's it's dope, man. I love this comic. I'm just going to open up random pages. Spoiler alert. Look at that. He's doing science. I don't know, man. I love this comic. And Rick Remender is a, a great uh, writer. So if you ever see a comic by Remeter, pick it up. I love how he goes, this is going to be normal. It's about an alcoholic <laughs> Texan in space. I'm like, dude, hell yeah. Richard, don't ever change, dude. It's a good comic. I try, And also, I want to say, it's going to make every grown man cry. My dad hates admitting when he cries, but I, he read it all. And I said, how'd you feel about the ending? He's like, it's, it's good. And I was like, you cried. <laughs> you cried. Uh, hey, by the way, Richard, what, like, pulpy. Describe pulpy. What uh, does that mean? I... At least in my in my brain, I like action. It's just like I think of like those old those graphic action pulps where it was just like a detective solving a murder and lots of people get killed. But it could it's be that in space. Shoot. It's gum. Sh- yeah, it's like because there's not again, like I said, there's not a lot of science in this. It's just action. There's just people's heads getting okay. blown off. There's it's just that there's less. There's not a lot of science. You don't have to ask questions in this. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know. All I got heard. That. That's how I'm. That's how I'm going with it. I've heard some friends describe it that way, and I'm literally just saying what they said. But I, I, I am rec- thinking of it in terms of like what old pulpy novels were, like those old, yeah, those old like little throwaways. Like they're pulp. They're called pulpy because they're made out of pulp paper and they were cheap to make, and they were just throwaway, throwaway literature. So it's pulpy. This is not a throwaway though. Collect your fear agents and hold them close. This is actually owned by some friends of mine. They've lent it to me 15 years ago, and I haven't given it back. I just hold on to their copies of Fear Agent. Dude, you just gave yourself away. Sorry. Sterling, what about, what, what about you, Sterling? What's your... Uh... 
more of an H.G. Wells guy myself, Richard. Uh, but I, I have to uh, worship in tribute by the band Glassjaw. Uh, great album. The singer Daryl Palumbo. I've talked about him before. I actually gave a must list of Head Automatica. They had two uh, uh, albums. Head Automatica did. That was his more alternative band. This is more alternative, kind of heavy. Um, not quite grunge, but it came out early 2000s in New York. This album, Worship and Tributes, just outstanding um, by the band Glassjaw. So check it out if you haven't heard of them. They're pretty intense, but pretty damn good. Second one was a book, because I've not done a book in a while. Uh, so I will do Before I Go to Sleep by S.J. Watson. And this is an interesting book. It's like, what if 50 first dates with Adam Sandler, but make it like scary. So it's basically a person has amnesia. They wake up every day with amnesia, right? But not all is what it appears. So it gets kind of spooky, kind of scary. It's a psychological thriller. It's really good. So I thought it was pretty interesting, pretty clever. Nice. Thanks. I like that second one. That sounds cool. Yeah. Glassjaw. I've never heard Glassjaw, by the way. But So I'm I'm going to say I, um, I, I reach back in the internet uh, for my must list. Have you guys ever watched old Homestar Runner videos? I do. Dude. I just I, <laughs> yes. love, I love that stuff, man. I love that stuff so much back in the day. I used to like watch strong, bad emails every, it probably sounds like total gibberish. You have no idea what we're talking about. There was like a cartoon character and world guy named Homestar Runner. And I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a talking boxing, talking guy with boxing gloves or, or floating people. It was a weird cartoon world and it was so funny and worth getting into and I just love going back and, and rewatching some of those cartoons. Did either of you ever dive into that world? Oh yeah. yeah Big totally. time. You have Come the on emails. Luke, guys. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching it at KU basketball camp when I was 13, uh, maybe 12 around that age. Like I, I was just, just over a decade old playing basketball. And we stayed in the, the dorms at KU at, in, in Kansas. And me and my boy, we were we were watching them, and the fire alarm got pulled. But we didn't know it was a fire alarm. We thought it was an actual fire. We waited until the episode ended to leave. So I will always remember Homestar Runner because we're like, dude, this is this is hilarious. They got to keep watching this. Love it, love it. Um, well, folks, that's our show. Um, anything else you guys want to throw out there? Must list, Chiefs list. We love the Chiefs too. <laughs> uh, folks, you've been listening to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. Uh, I've been with Sterling Holmes. You can check him out on Twitter at HomestretchKC. Uh, also, Richard Durante, our producer. You can check him out at D-U-H-R-A-N-T-E, Durante, uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you want, also check out his Pulpy Selections at PulpySelections.com. Uh, anyway, we'll see you. Uh, I can't say go cheese because they're not going to do anything uh, for the next six months, except uh, just drink and celebrate a Super Bowl win. Well, yeah, go Chiefs anyway. We'll see you next week.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.